you, Jesus. I would like to welcome everyone today. If you are a guest this morning, we are glad to have you in service with us today. Amen. If this is your first or your second time with us today, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back. We have a small gift of appreciation to give you for being here today. If you're joining us online, wherever you're watching us from, hopefully those that wouldn't brave the weather this morning are online. Hopefully, praise God. Amen. Pray that you're blessed wherever you are as well. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, which we just settled in 16, we are children of God, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him. If we suffer with Him, we may be also glorified together. That we may be glorified together. Now, I, there's a few folks in this place this morning, you're going to recognize the third word in the next verse. And when you recognize it, that's going to tell us where you're from. For I reckon. I reckon. Now, now, let, me see, let me see a couple of hands of y'all that know that word. Yeah, uh-huh. 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 I reckon. I reckon the folks that really know that word came from a little bit south of here. That's what I reckon. I reckon we're going to go to the store today. That's what Mama and them's doing. I reckon something good's going on over there because mayonnaise a lot of people. That's not a thing in a jar. That's a group. Mayonnaise a lot of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I reckon. I reckon. <laughs> How many of y'all ever, ever use that word? Let me see here. Come on, see hands. Y'all, uh-huh, yeah, a few of you. And again, most of the hands that were just raised didn't come from Maryland. Those of us that know that word got some roots that aren't in Maryland. <laughs> I reckon... That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The Amplified says, but what of that? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present life are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. And then Weist's translation says it this way, for I have come to a reasoned conclusion. <laughs> I like that. 
I have come to a reasoned conclusion that the sufferings of the present season are of no weight in comparison to the glory which is about to be revealed upon us. They are of no weight in comparison to the glory which is about to be revealed upon us. My title this morning is simply this. I reckon. I reckon. Jesus, I thank you for your presence that is in this place. I know, Lord, it's actually easy for us to take that for granted. But we pause today to thank you for your presence that is in this place. I thank you for your spirit that has already worked and ministered in this place today. And now, God, again, I trust and believe that through your word, your spirit will continue to minister. God, that you would speak to somebody's heart today, that you would touch somebody's life in this place today. Not a sermon, but a message, God, that would come from you in the name of Jesus Christ. I trust you for your anointing today, Lord. I depend on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. That word reckon. I almost kept my title to myself, but I just wanted to see if Brother Jalen's creative juices could somehow figure something out. So, The word reckon in the Greek means this, according to Strong's. It is to take an inventory. It is to estimate, literally or figuratively. According to Thayer's Greek lexicon, it means to count, to compute, to calculate, to count over. It means to take into account. It means to number. It means to Count up or to weigh the reasons. It's to consider. It's to judge. It is to determine. So Paul says, I have taken an account. I've, I've done some accounting. I've done some, I've done some weighing of the numbers here, if you will. I've, I've audited the books. And I have compared the, the sum of the suffering. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you pay all the bills and you look and there's no parentheses around that number. That that final number is still black. Even if it's one cent. I've taken an account. I have, I have made a calculation. Oh, hallelujah. Our problem is we don't compare. We don't calculate. We only consider where we are. We only look at the suffering. The word suffering in the Greek means something undergone. Anybody has undergone something in your life? Anybody undergoing something in your life? Undergoing some, I, I don't sickness, finance, fan, well, I, I don't, 
you name it, it's up to you to name. I don't, I, I didn't say what. That was a little better. A couple of y'all either aren't listening, you're asleep, or you're lying. One of you, I don't know. Thayer says this, maybe this will help a few more of you. That which one suffers or has suffered. Externally, it is a suffering, a misfortune, calamity, evil, affliction, affliction. So let's, let anybody else now a little more convinced you've got some suffering? Been through some suffering or are going through inward, it is a state, uh, an affection, it is a passion, it is equivalent to an enduring, undergoing, it's a suffering. And so Paul says, I reckon, I have determined that when I stack up the suffering and I calculate the balance of the suffering, but then I compare it to the glory that will be revealed. If you're overwhelmed today by the sum total of the suffering, you are not comparing it to the glory. Because Paul says, when I compare it to the glory which shall be revealed, it's really not anything. When I look at this compared to that, it's really not much. I got to tell you, I, I, I stand here today and I have lived a very blessed life, which most of you lived a blessed life too, but we sort of have a context. We sort of use that in that I don't know that it's the most accurate because when we say a blessed life, what we're meaning is a fairly problem-free difficulty, you know, no major whatever. Your life may be full of heartache and pain and tragedy and still be blessed. Because what, let, let, let me go back, let me go back to what, what verse number, uh, uh, where were we? Verse number 16. The Spirit beareth witness. The Spirit beareth witness. I don't need, my circumstances don't bear witness that I'm a child of God. My circumstances do not determine that I am a child of God. The Spirit itself bears witness that I am a child of God. When I was born again and received the infilling of the Spirit of God, evidenced by the speaking in other tongues, I became a child of God. It does not matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter if I'm pain-free or full of pain. It doesn't matter if I'm disease-free or full of disease. It doesn't matter if my home is in order or a mess. The Spirit. The Spirit beareth witness. Too many of us are using circumstances to bear witness whether or not we are the children of God. The Spirit beareth witness. And if we are children, then we are joint heirs. Our problem is we all want the inheritance now. We want, we're, we're kind of like the prodigal son. I want it now. Forget this mess of waiting around till you die. Give me what's mine now. But if we're going to reign with him, we must also be willing to Suffer with him. But the suffering of the present cannot compare to the glory of the eternal. I know I'm preaching to some people this morning that know what suffering is. I'm preaching to some people today that know what pain and affliction and problems are. And I am preaching to some people as well that in your flesh, like the rest of us, you want God to change the suffering and the problems and the situation. But I've come to tell you today, if you'd get your eyes off of the balance sheet of the suffering and compare it to the glory which shall be revealed, then you can do like Paul and reckon.
I reckon that the suffering of the present is not worthy to the glory that will be revealed. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that I believe so much of Christianity has turned this into a self-help book for this life. Have your best life now. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have my best life there. I don't want what's temporal to be my best life. I want what's eternal to be my best life. Because this is just a vapor. How old was your grandmother? 85 years old, 85 years old. I guarantee if you, if you had interviewed her before she passed, she felt like those 85 years. Because life is a vapor. And we try to make what is a vapor the most comfortable and sacrifice that so that we can and, and give up for an eternity that does not end, that's full of pain and suffering. If you save this life, you're going to lose that life. But if you will lose this life, you will save. Paul, Paul, I'm back to my, back to what got me on that tangent. Let me get back to the point here. I, 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 I mean, in, in comparison, I, I, I sat with an individual a few days ago. I sat with a I sat with a young man a few days ago and listened to this young man describe the weight and burden and responsibility that he lives his life under. It's something that a that a that a teenager should not have to carry. It is a load, a burden. I, I listened to this young man who was in a challenging situation in, in, in need of really kind of focusing on himself, but all he could think about was his siblings who he feels the weight of responsibility because his parents aren't properly taking care of them. I walked away from there and I thought about some of the things on my balance sheet. That I've been grinding. We, we, we got our house on the market. It's been on the market. And I've been fussing. There, there's in the last several months, there have been several times. I, because my, I'm a little more flexible than the rest in my house. Because they got to get here for, for sound check and all that. I, I'm, I, there have been some mornings. I'm, I'm vacuuming and I'm Windexing. And I'm at, at 9.30 on a Sunday morning. I'm like, hello, God. I mean, come on, should I be doing this? You, all you got to do is send me a buyer, right? Just, just come on, God. I mean, I'm walking out the door sweaty. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I got to tell you, I walked away from that young man the other day. And you, you see, we get overwhelmed by our suffering when all we look at is our suffering. And Paul, you see, Paul was not like me. Because I'll be the first to admit, the suffering in my life, in the big scheme of things, I've been really fortunate. Some would say lucky. So I confess that. But the one I'm reading from this morning, when he says suffering, Brother Barr, he knew a little bit about suffering. And he knew about suffering for doing what was right. We live in a world that gets mad over suffering for they, that they cause themselves. Point fingers at God for decisions they made that cause heartache and pain. But Paul was, Paul, it was for God. It was for the kingdom. It was, it was his walk with God, his commitment to God that caused Paul suffering. He had his back beaten 39 stripes several times. He was in prison. He was in a shipwreck. He was, uh, he, he was a falsely accused. He was hungry. He was a bad. Paul, when Paul talks about suffering, 
Paul's got a PhD in suffering. So if you don't, you ignore me this morning, but listen to Paul. Paul says, I look, I reckon, I calculate the suffering, but then I compare the suffering to the glory that is being produced. And I've come to the conclusion that the suffering is not worthy to be compared. Hmm. I've referred to this verse, this chapter, I don't know how many times in my years of preaching. Psalm 73, Psalm 73 to me is a psalm that every Christian lives. Every Christian lives Psalm 73. It starts off in the beginning of that psalm. The psalmist says, I I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I got to looking at the life of the wicked. And it seemed like everything in the life of the wicked was good and blessed. I mean... Uh, they, they weren't showing, they weren't getting up on Sunday morning, 30 degrees outside, going to church and sitting in a couple of hours of church. They, they, they were out partying last night and they're, they're, they're sleeping off the hangover, but they just got a raise. They just got a new car. They just got a new house. David said, I, I got to looking at that. And it almost got to be too much for me. But verse number 16, he says, When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. What was too painful, David? I was looking at my problems and comparing it to the what seemed to be the good life of the wicked until... Until... I went into the sanctuary of God and I changed what I was looking at. I almost slipped because of what I saw. But when I got in the presence of God, I started looking at something different. And I got my footing back and I didn't slip because I understood their end. So if you are overwhelmed today by the prosperity of the wicked, their life compared to your life right now, the solution is one simple thing. It's not the fixing of all the problems in your life. It's not the pain-free, a, a pain-free body. It's not all the finances you think you need. It's not a new car, a new house. It's not a new wife or a new husband. What you need is to change what you are looking at. You need to do a little bit of reckoning. And I reckon that where I am right now and where they are right now, compared to where they're going and I'm going, I think I'm okay. Second Corinthians chapter 4. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause? We faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, day by day. The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Day. Some of y'all trying to live off of 
being renewed week by week. Some of you are going a little farther. You're trying to do it month by month. Others of you are trying to see if you can stretch it to quarterly by quarterly. Few of you have made it to annually, and some of you are going for biannually. But the apostle said, we are renewed day by day. I get up from almost every Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas dinner feeling like I don't want to ever eat again. Because I, I, I know some of y'all, you're, you're very disciplined and spiritual and all of that, but I'm just telling you, I'm not, I am not there yet. And to be totally transparent and honest, I'm not even working to get there right now. Because right now, I go to those three meals with one goal in mind. I will be miserable before I get up from this table. My mother always asked the same question. She's so kind and considerate. She always asked the same question at the conclusion of Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. We're all still sitting there. Plates are still on the table. Food still, you know, leftover scraps there. And she always asks the same questions. Does anyone want dessert now? You got to understand, dessert is life. I mean, come on. My response is always the same thing. Not right now. In fact, right now, number one priority is get out of this chair that has a 90-degree backing. And go find me a spot where we can get a little more angle. Because we got to get a little bit of. I'm like, I, I, I will never need. To, I have, I've done it. I've, I will never need to eat again. And it's really an amazing thing. 45, 60 minutes. Like, you know what? I feel a little bit of space. I think I got it all, got it all settled enough. Bring on the dessert. We got a little bit of margin between comfort and misery. <laughs> We're going to get right back real quick. You, you, you don't eat one meal and good for life. Day by day. Oh, what would happen in our lives as individuals if we ate, if we connected, if we drank from the Spirit of God, if we ate from the Word of God with the same consistency, regularity that we eat naturally? I preach to a lot of people this morning that you practice fasting. You fast the Word of God. You get one meal a week, you get two, maybe even three meals a week, but then you're good the other day. He said, I am renewed day by day. Here, here we go, here we go. I'm reading, I'm reading. Don't throw tomatoes at me, I'm reading. Our light affliction. Notice, notice the pronoun Paul used. Our. He wasn't pointing fingers. He was including himself and he was including the afflictions he had been through. But he says that it is light. Light. It's light. Just a little dab. Just a pinch. Our light. Affliction, the word affliction is really similar to the word suffering. It's not the same Greek word, but sounds, sounds a little bit like it. The word affliction means a pressing, pressing together or pressure. Anybody feeling pressing, pressure, pressed together in life at all right now? Nobody? Okay, thank you. 
Paul says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, the affliction that we consider to be so great, Paul says, is light. And it is just for a moment. It's December the 10th. It's December 10th. We just had New Year's Eve service. We just had that ark and that altar for my first message of the year. And it's December 10th. Where did it go? I know there's a few of you. Your year probably has been such that you're like, are you kidding me? It's only December 10th. But most of us, where did the year go? Because it's a vapor. And Paul says, it is just for a moment. When we preach about Job, the majority of what we preach about is Job's trial. Job lived several hundred years. Job's trial was a very small percentage of his life. But we do the same thing in our own lives. We forget about the broader picture. We get caught up in the trial. Paul says it's just for a moment. But what it is doing, what the, the affliction is doing, is producing, it worketh, it is producing in us a far more exceeding, you look up the word exceeding there, the Greek word almost looks like hyperbole. Meaning an exaggerated, a far above, and, and eternal. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know some of you came this morning and you wanted green beans and I'm giving you spinach. I understand that. Or some of you just wanted a cinnamon roll and I'm giving you raw egg. I don't know. It works our short, quick affliction, which is light, is actually producing a far more and exceeding eternal, eternal, temporary affliction, eternal glory. That, that really is somebody. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Somebody should have ran on that one. I'm just going to say, or I'm just telling you. Temporary light affliction. Eternal, unending glory. What, 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 what? No, let, let's, let's do this. Come here. Brother, brother Isaac, come stand down here for a second. Uh, I got to uh. Paul said, "This, that's that's your affliction." Paul said, "You take whatever." I, I'm, 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 I'm just the, I'm just the telephone right now. Okay, don't get mad at me. But you take whatever it is you're going through right now. And Paul says that's how heavy it is. Paul said that's how heavy it is. Where's the power button? I know I should turn it off first. But Paul said that. And this isn't even a good enough... If I can carry this with one hand, this is not. But he said. What it's producing. 
what this is, what this temporary thing in your life is producing is something that is far heavier, but is also eternal. Really what I need is that alt, that, that altar full of sand and put that on top of him. Cause he wouldn't be standing there either holding it. He'd be on the ground underneath of it. I preach to some people that you are so upset about the tissue box that you're carrying around. And I've come to challenge you today. There is an exceeding eternal weight of glory that is being produced by the affliction. So we beg God to take away the blessing that is producing the eternal. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The word glory here can include wealth, honor, fame, respect, especially in expressions of praise. This, this is producing me. I come today, my purpose is try to encourage some of you this morning, because I know there's some of you that are carrying around some affliction, and I am not here today trying to minimize or belittle what you're going through. But I'm here to encourage somebody that you need to understand that what you are going through is producing a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Here's here Amplified says it this way, our light affliction. For our light, momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Oh, Jesus. And, and then Paul, here's Paul gives the answer how it is it's light affliction and how he handles it because he says in the last verse of this chapter, while we look not at the things which are seen, because the things which are seen are temporal. But the things that are unseen are eternal. We don't look at what is seen. We look at what is unseen. I don't look at what I can see that I'm going through now because it is temporary. Even if it lasts the majority of your life, it is temporary it will not last forever but I'm going to look at the things which are not seen because what is not seen has no ending point it will last forever I, I got I wonder if it would seem to me to be possible from these verses you could very well be saved Carrying around a tissue box weight of suffering. But the question, I guess, is what kind of glory do you want to be revealed? Because it sounds as though the weight of glory, while it does exceed the affliction, it is a multiplier of something. Oh, it's exceeding abundantly above. But it's exceeding abundantly above something. I don't care how big the number is you come up with. Multiply it times zero. 
and you got zero. So some of you want a tissue box of weight. And you might be saved, but you might not be too overwhelmed by the glory. But I, I'm preaching to some dump truck load carrying people this morning. I'm not being facetious. I mean that sincerely. I'm preaching to some people because while I'm just being honest, while Paul says it's all light, I'm still in the flesh. I'm not quite where Paul is. I'm preaching to some people that are carrying some loads this morning. But whatever affliction you are under, it is producing what is ultimately going to be a far more, I'm not going to climb up on your shoulders and stand on you. I'm, that'd be a lot, that'd be a pretty decent weight. But it's producing something. Sister Carol, I was preparing for this morning, and, and you're one of the names that came to my mind. You, you, you live with some afflictions. I would venture to say a lot of people probably don't even really have a clue some of what you live with. The, 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 the sufferings, the afflictions. And I don't know if it'll ever change. I, I wish I could tell you. I wish. Oh, God, I wish. But I guess I would much rather be able to tell you that I can't promise you the temporal's ever going to totally get the way you want it. But I can promise you with absolute certainty that if you'll be willing to live under the affliction, it is, it is producing something that is going to be far above, exceeding abundantly above the weight of the affliction you have lived under. Sister Krieger, you're another one. I don't know if you believe it or not, but I sit and when I'm preparing, I'm like, God, really? I mean, sometimes you, 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 you got, you know, you feel like you got a message, you're like, Cross your fingers that so-and-so will be there. Sometimes that's for a good message. Sometimes it's because you know they're the ones. i got to be honest. Most of the time I've made up my mind, I think I know they're the ones. Somehow, some way, they don't come. And then I'm like, am I really going to preach this? They're the one this is for, not even here. And then there's other times. My flesh is like, God, you, do I really? I really got to preach that? So-and-so is going to be sitting there, and they're going through this, and they're dealing with that, and I got I to gotta preach that? Really, God? But I got to preach it. But I'm not apologizing because I've done some calculating. You know what's so great about this with you, Sister Kriegers? You're one of those ones this morning. You know that word. <laughs> you didn't need me to read you a definition. You've done some reckoning already. Oh, Jesus. I don't, I don't want to offend anybody with this statement. But how sad it is when the pulpit seeks to just relieve everybody of their suffering and try to get what is producing an eternal weight of glory out of your life. When God's intent, I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to squeeze you a little bit. I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to weigh you down some. I'm not going to let it all be easy. I'm not going to let it all go good. But what I need you to do is get your eyes off of the weight you're carrying and look at the weight that it is producing. 
Because what you are carrying is producing far more exceeding and an eternal weight of glory. If you reckon this morning that the suffering in your life is too much, then I reckon you're not doing the right comparisons. If you reckon that what you're dealing with right now in life is way too much and too unfair, then I reckon you're not looking at what it's producing. I heard somebody make this point the other day. I think oftentimes we quote the Bible to say that we are supposed to give thanks for everything. Give thanks for it. So you get a flat tire. Oh God, I thank you for this flat tire. But it does not say give thanks for everything. It says in. In everything. Well, I don't see the difference, Brother Wright. I'll tell you the difference. Standing on the side of the road, flat tire. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this flat tire. I thank you so much for this tire. That's four. But in is. Standing on the side of the road, flat tire. God, you are good. You are above all. You reign supreme. I thank you for being my father. I thank you for being my savior. I I thank you for being the peace that passes all understanding. I thank you that whatever I am in, you are above what I'm in. I mean it with all sincere sincerity. There are people sitting in this sanctuary today that from a natural perspective, you are carrying a very heavy load. But I've come to challenge you today with the help of the Holy Ghost not to get rid of the load. You know, the Bible says the children of Israel, they got, out, they got out in the wilderness, nothing to eat. And God sends manna, sends manna, sends manna. I mean, there, there, there's no Sam's Club to go buy bulk food. There's no, I mean, there's no Walmart. There's no BJ's. There's no shoppers. There's, there's none of it. They're in a barren wilderness. And God rains manna down. You would think everybody would be like, Jesus, we thank you, gods. They would have been God, not Jesus. Sorry. God, we thank you, Jehovah. Jehovah, thank you for being our provider. But they start, they start complaining. It's not good enough to eat. We had a fellowship to go to Friday night. My wife made a uh, a thing of baked ziti for the boys Friday night, homemade baked ziti. Last night, based on the way our day went, dinner for the rest of us was baked ziti. And dinner for the two that had it the night before was baked ziti. And if you don't want that, you're on your own dime. I looked over, I saw Nathaniel had bread out, something else out, was making something. You see, when, when, when you're hungry, when you're really hungry, you, you, it's not about what it's just about. But see, they, they, they started complaining. It's not good enough that we're in a wilderness and we have something to eat. We, we, we miss We miss what we had. It boggles my mind how they miss what they had in bondage. I would think that manna in freedom would be way more appealing than leeks and garlics 
garlic and meat in slavery. But they said, we want to go back. And you know what? God's, God's so amazing. He finally, you know what? You want, you want this? I'll tell you what. I'm going to give it to you. And he rained birds down. That the Bible says, literally the Bible says, they ate so much, it was coming out their nose. You can convince God enough to get rid of your affliction. But by the time He does it, you're going to start begging for the affliction back. So why don't you just go ahead and this morning and say, God, I reckon that the weight of the problem is nothing compared to the weight of the glory that's being produced. And God, I think I'll take the temporal affliction and accept the eternal glory. Just stand if you would, please. Oh, Jesus. I want to invite somebody this morning to do some some reckoning. I want to invite somebody this morning to do do a little bit of calculations. Here's my suffering. Here's my problems. Here's the difficulties and challenges in my life. Here's what I'm dealing with in this temporal realm. When I go over here and see what is being produced it is a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory but what are you looking at this morning what are your eyes on today do you have your eyes this morning on what is temporary I, I've, I've lived with a wonderful lady who has been through four pregnancies that came to full term and a life was born a couple other miscarriages and I gotta tell you I ain't volunteering I heard somebody say Apparently all this stuff's going on there. They're doing some something or surgery or something so men can now I don't if they can do that. I'm gonna tell you right now, if there was a man that's trying to figure out how to have how to make that happen, that man has lost his mind. Man, I watch my wife and I watch her especially the closer she got to delivery. I'm not trying to be facetious or whatever. I'm just just trying to make a point. Man, she was she was miserable. Couldn't get comfortable. Couldn't get. I mean, it was. I'm over on my side of the bed. Every blanket in the house, long johns, pajamas, overcoat on, still freezing. She's over there. Oh my God, it's so hot in this house. Every time my wife says she's cold, I do a little dance. That always lets me know she ain't pregnant. Whenever she said hot, she was hot for several years. There was a brief moment of panic that set in. The next question was, um, are you pregnant? <laughs> and I, my wife delivered all four of our children naturally, natural childbirth. That's some suffering right there. That is suffering. But I'm I'm quite sure that that nine months of suffering, what has been produced from that, far outweighs. I believe I preach to some pregnant people today. You're suffering. You're going through some hardship. 
but it is producing something that is going to be of eternal value. That the reward for the suffering will cause you to reckon that all that suffering was nothing compared to the glory. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I'd like to invite some folks this morning. I, I, I really believe, I know I've used it kind of facetiously, but I really believe there's some people in this sanctuary today that you need to do a little bit of reckoning. You need to do a little bit of calculating. And rather than continuing to focus on the affliction, the weight of the affliction, you need to start looking at the weight of glory that is being produced. I believe I preach to some people right now that you are, you are living under that weight of glory. Or excuse me, affliction. I believe I preach to some people this morning that you have, you're doing your absolute best to accept that weight of affliction. You're not trying to get out of it, but every now and then it gets a little weary, gets a little, a little difficult. Every now and then the thought crosses your mind. I, I think I'd just like to give up this weight. But the Holy Ghost has come today to challenge and encourage you that it's producing a far more exceeding and eternal weight. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I... I feel like it may just be one, but it's probably more than that, I believe. I feel like somebody needs to step out of your seat this morning. Make your way down to this altar. And maybe your prayer today, maybe the bottom line of your prayer today just needs to be, God, help me change my perspective. Help me to change what it is I'm looking at. And instead of looking and focusing on the affliction and the weight of the temporal, help me to get my eyes on what it is producing in the eternal. In the name of Jesus. God, while I know I preached Your Word today, I know I preached what Your Word says we are humans, but you did also say in your word that you remember our frame. You remember that we are created from the dust of the earth. And one of the things that's so amazing about you is even what you ask or require of us, you also give us the grace and the strength to do. Father, I believe, I know there's some people that have come into this sanctuary today that are carrying affliction. And some have walked in today feeling like that it's anything but a light affliction. But Lord Paul said it was light. It wasn't light because it was insignificant or minor or wasn't a big deal, but it was light because it was being compared to what it was producing. I'm asking you to help somebody in this place today, Father. Somebody that's carrying the load of the affliction, but finds it a struggle from time to time to see the weight of glory that's being produced. In the name of Jesus Christ, if you don't need to respond for yourself right now, if you don't feel a need to pray for yourself right now, would you... Be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and let the Lord possibly lead you to somebody else to pray for them. God, you're producing something of eternal significance that is so far greater than the weight that I'm carrying in this temporal life. God, I pray that You would help somebody today like the psalmist. Someone, God, whose steps may be about to slip.
But as a result of getting in your presence today, as a result of being in your presence today, they would begin to see things a little differently. Instead of seeing the lives of the wicked and the unbeliever for how great they are right now and the trouble and affliction that we carry now, that we would be able to see the end, the final outcome. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would give somebody the grace today to do some computing, to do some calculating of the weight and the burden they're under in the temporal, but to be able to compare it to the weight of the glory of the eternal that's going to be revealed in them, God. And to then be able to say, as Paul said, that I reckon that the suffering of this present world are not able to be compared to the glory. The glory that's going to be revealed. The glory that's being produced from the suffering. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the power of Your Spirit today, God. By Your grace today, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I know God's a healer. I know God's a provider. I know God's a deliverer. I know God can do anything. But I also know that if He chooses not to give me relief, and He allows me to continue to live with the weight and the burden, then it's because He's trying to produce what is eternal in my life. God is more concerned about the eternal weight in your life than He is about just giving you relief from the temporal weight. God's more interested in producing something of eternal consequences in your life rather than just making this temporal comfortable and easy. But oh, somehow today, if you could just get your eyes on what the suffering and the affliction is producing... In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray grace today, Father. You said to Paul when he was asking... For his affliction to be removed, you said your grace was sufficient. So God, if you're not going to remove the thorn, the affliction, then you're going to provide the grace that is sufficient. So that what it's producing in our lives, we can bear under the weight of it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would give somebody the grace today to not look at the things which are seen, but to get their eyes fixed upon the things which are not seen. Help somebody, God, to change their focus today rather than focusing on what can be seen with my natural eyes to fix my focus on what can only be seen through the eyes of the Spirit in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, if you need to go or want to go, you're welcome to, but God is doing something in this place. 
If he's touching you, if he's ministering to you, I beg you, don't be in a hurry right now. Don't be in a hurry. If the Holy Ghost is in trying to touch you right now, would you allow him? Allow him to do all that he wants to do. Grace, Father. Grace, Father. Grace in every life in this place. Grace that is sufficient. Grace that is sufficient, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give us confidence today that the weight of our temporal affliction is producing a weight of eternal glory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.